If you would, open your Bibles again to Luke chapter 2. I was somewhat <clears throat> hesitant at this time of year to bring a message from this passage, but I believe the Lord has laid it on my heart, but I was hesitant to believe or to preach this message at this time because you never want to be identified with modern religion who quite honestly has made an idol out of December the 25th and it uh, gives them a platform to act in a play and have a show, you know, not worship. And let me make this very clear. Um, I'm not against Christmas at all. You can tell by looking in our basement, we have things of decorations for various seasons, and our Christmas decorations dwarf everything else. Uh, we would have so much more space in our basement. But we love Christmas. I'm not a religious Scrooge in any way. I love Christmas. It really is the most wonderful time of the year. Families have time to be together, express their love one for just be together. It's wonderful. But there's no religious significance to the day whatsoever. Um, matter of fact, in Scripture, we're never told to celebrate the birth of Christ, ever. We're sold to celebrate his death. That's what we do at the Lord's table. We show forth his death until he comes. That's the celebration of his death, the remembrance of his death. We're told to celebrate the resurrection. We're meeting here today on Sunday because this is the first day of the week. The day our Lord arose on the first day of the week. So we're not told to celebrate the birth of Christ. But boy, it's good news. The fact that he was born is good news. Now, I'll tell you what little bit I know about the birth of our Lord. He was not born on December 25th. I know that. Any other day of the year, but it was not December the 25th. I did a lot of reading about this. Uh, Janet was asking me this week about my go-to guy, you know, that I read, I read commentaries and stuff. She says, is it John Gill? I said, eh, pretty much. Well, John Gill says our Lord is born in October. The other commentary I almost always read is Matthew Henry. Matthew Henry says the Lord is born in the summertime. Other men who seem to, you know, know things about things I don't know anything about say he was born in the spring. Others say it was early December. You know what that tells me? Nobody knows when he was born. They don't. Just like nobody knows the day of his return, nobody knows the day of his birth. And those dates are immaterial. When Christ was born matters nothing. The fact that he was born matters a great deal. Just like the day of his return, it doesn't matter. I, I do not care. When the Lord returns, I wish it would be soon, but I don't care. When he's coming back matters nothing. Who's coming back matters a great deal. Matters a great deal. And whatever the date, Christ was born in the fullness of God's time at the exact moment decreed from all of eternity. And that's all we need to know about the date of the birth of our Lord. And the title of the message comes from a line in the song, O Holy Night, the weary world rejoices. Now, Janet loves that 
song. She particularly loves, it's Josh Groban, and his version. She loves to hear him sing, and she turns it up and just loves to hear it. And there's a line in that song. Long lay the world in sin and error pining, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices. A thrill of hope. She was listening. She's got her uh, laptop set up in our dining room. She's in there Facebooking. And she's discovered that YouTube is also on the Internet. Facebook isn't the only thing on the Internet. And she was playing these songs. And she heard it, and she called me in there. She said, come in here and listen to this. And I listened to it. And she preached me a message, buddy. You know, and I preached to her in her kitchen a lot. We had a reversal there. And uh, I got a real blessing from it and began looking at this. Now, we live in a weary world. Weary. Is anyone here this morning weary? I mean bone weary. Weary of your sin. Weary of the trappings of this world, weary the trappings of your flesh. I'm weary of being trapped in this body with me every day. I mean, just weary. Are you weary? Well, the Lord's given me a message. And if he'll enable you to hear it, I believe you'll leave rejoicing in Christ our Savior. The weary can rejoice in our Lord Jesus Christ. Is anyone here this morning hopeless? I don't know if there's anything more sad than someone being hopeless without any hope that things are going to get better. I just That's so sad. Somebody's just in that condition ends up in the loony bin, and I understand that. They don't have any hope. Was anyone here this morning without hope and without God in this world? Well, if you are, I've got a message. I pray the Lord will let you hear it. And if he does... You'll leave here this morning thrilled at the sight of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the birth of Christ. Cecil Roach said this one time, and I've thought and thought and thought and thought and thought and thought about it, and he probably is right. He said that the birth of Christ is the greatest miracle mankind has ever known, that God became a man. The apostle said, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. The ancient of days became a babe of days, lying in a manger. The miracle of the birth of Christ can only be rivaled by the death of Christ. That God died, that God was born, and that God died are without question two of the greatest miracles this earth has ever seen. And the news that Christ is born is second only to the news He's risen. Oh, he's risen. That's good news to a sinner. So let's look at this, these verses, see if the Lord might teach us something. In verse 1 of Luke 2, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. For this taxing was first made, first intended, when Cyrenus was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. Now, this tax was not actually being levied 
at this time. What this actually is, is a census. Caesar wanted the name of every person in the Roman Empire written down on a piece of paper. And he, that was like a pride thing, you know, you have all these names written down. But then he was going to use that census to tax the people at a future date. Now, they had intended to do this tax, the census, and hence the tax, 27 years prior to this date in Luke chapter 2. But wouldn't you know it, trouble suddenly arose in the empire, and they had to go deal with that and delayed it until now. Man proposes. God disposes. These things all happen at God's time. I told Evan, I was uh, Friday, you know, it was Pearl Harbor Day. I was watching on the History Channel about Pearl Harbor and World War II and the events that led up, you know, through the end of the war. And it, it's astounding to me how many times the outcome of that war just hit, was on a razor's edge. In, in the Battle of Midway, they were saying that the U.S. knew that you know, Japan was coming and they had their uh, fleet long way, hundreds of miles off of the Midway. They were going to let Japan attack. Then they were going to come and attack the Japanese fleet. Well, the U.S. fleet was spotted. Their planes were in the air, and the first wave of planes, like 90% of them were shot out of the air and killed. They sent a second wave. And the, the admiral of the Japanese fleet had a decision to make. Was he going to arm the, pull his planes back that were sent to bomb the island and rearm them with the armament necessary to attack the fleet? And he had a moment's hesitation as to what to do. And in that moment, the second wave came and sunk the entire Japanese fleet. Every one of their aircraft carriers was sunk. They never recovered. The war in Japan was over. At that moment. Now, they didn't know it. They tried to keep fighting and try to keep it up. But the war was over at that moment because of that man's indecision. Who put that indecision in his mind? <laughs> God disposes. All these things happen according to his purpose. And here, God arranged the events of the whole wide world so that the whole world, God made this happen to the whole world to bring Mary. To Bethlehem. <laughs> Everybody went through this, so God would bring Mary to Bethlehem. He arranged it so the whole world would have to go to their hometowns, be counted in a census. So Mary, a girl nobody ever heard of before, would be brought to Bethlehem at the exact moment of the end of her pregnancy. <laughs> Otherwise, she never would have made such a difficult trip at the end of that pregnancy. I mean, can you imagine being nine months pregnant right on a donkey? She never would have done that, but the Lord arranged it so she'd be brought to Bethlehem because the purpose of God never fails. Prophecy told us that the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem. Now, Mary's great with child, who is the Messiah in Nazareth. How's he going to be born in Bethlehem? Well, God's going to delay the purpose of the empire of Rome 27 years till she's ready to, to bring that baby into this world so the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. The bread of life is going to be born in the house of bread. That's what the word Bethlehem means, the house of bread. That's where he's going to be born. God brought his eternal purpose to pass so that the king of kings would be born in the city of King David, in Bethlehem. That's exactly what happened. In verse 6, And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. 
And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And the fullness of time, when all the days of human history were accomplished, Mary brought forth her firstborn son, brought forth God's only son, wrapped him in rags, torn up to be swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because she didn't have a crib. Now, a manger, you mentioned a manger earlier about that cow picking up and trying to throw her calf up into the manger. That's a place where you feed livestock. You find those things in a barn, not in a nursery. Here's the Lord of glory lying in a cattle trough. The Lord of glory was born in a barn because there was no room for them in the inn. You know, there's no vacancy because all the travelers and stuff were there. They couldn't afford a room anyway. But even if they could have afforded the normal rate, they couldn't afford the rate at that time. Innkeepers there like they are today. A big event comes up, they jack the prices of the rooms up, you know. We used to go up every year to Louisville to an academic convention, and we got that room for $120 a night. A week or two later is the Kentucky Derby. That room is $1,000. They probably raised, they couldn't have afforded it anyway. But the Lord provided a barn, a roof over his head, and a manger to lay his son in. Now that would cause most people to stumble and look down upon the lowly circumstances of the birth of our Lord. But to the believer, that's precious. Oh, it's precious. Because the humble condition of our Lord's birth shows us the amazing, condescending grace of our Savior. He made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be made rich. Now we simply can't fathom the humiliation of our Lord that he willingly endured to save his people from their sins. That humiliation began when the Son of God was conceived in the womb of a virgin Mary. (laughs) Who can explain that? But that was humiliation. It continued in his birth, the circumstances of his birth. All the while he was growing up, all the time of his earthly ministry, to his death. Even his burial was a time of humiliation. They didn't have a tomb. They had to borrow a tomb from somebody. Our Lord did not choose a wealthy woman to be his mother. Moses was raised by a princess. Our Lord could have chosen Pharaoh's daughter, couldn't he? But he didn't. He chose Mary, this poor maiden, whose family tree was nothing more than a dry twig. There was nothing left of it. And it would have been amazing condescension if Christ had chosen a princess, the daughter of a king, to be his mother. That would have been great humiliation. The palace would have been a mud hut compared to the glory he came from. But he didn't choose that. He didn't choose that princess. He chose a poor maiden to be the mother of his son. You know, we should never despise the homeless and the poor because that's who our Lord was, homeless and poor. He had no place to lay his head. And this is who he came to save the spiritually poor and destitute who are so poor they cannot help themselves. That's why the appearance of Christ is such a thrill to the hopeless. 
He came to identify with the hopeless and save the hopeless from their sins. Now, verse 8, while all this was going on, there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. Now, can you imagine how frightened these men were? It's nighttime. Some of them were probably, you know, walking around the flock or whatever, trying to watch them and keep a wolf from coming in or something. Most of them were asleep. And suddenly, there's this glorious light just suddenly appears, this angel. These men had never seen artificial light before, ever. And here's this, I mean, you know, we see this stuff. We've seen Times Square, you know, we've seen this light. These men had never seen light like this. And to make it even more scary, this angel is probably floating above their heads. I mean, they're scared out of their minds. They feared they were going to be killed. So the first thing the angel told them was, fear not. Verse 10, the angel said unto them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. He says, this angel says, don't be afraid. There's nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. You'd have a lot to fear if he wasn't born. If you didn't have one that you could, you could stand in him, if you were left to stand by yourself. But here's the reason not to fear. I bring you good tidings of great joy. It's the gospel of a person. His good news, his great good tidings of great joy was the news of a person. The Lord Jesus Christ. And who was this very first message sent to? It was sent to shepherds. Poor, illiterate men. God hath chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. He chose these poor, illiterate shepherds. And God frequently uses shepherds to spread the good news of the gospel. Moses, before he went said Israel... Free from Egypt, he was a shepherd. Jacob was a shepherd. David, before he was king, he was a shepherd. Pastors are called God's under-shepherds. They're shepherds. And we have good tidings of great joy to all people without discrimination. Jew and Gentile, black and white, rich and poor, people from every nation, tribe, kindred, and tongue. We have good news. We're being commanded to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We have such a great Savior. This is such good news. It's good news to every creature. Go everywhere and preach it. Christ has come. The Savior, the angel said, is born. Born. He didn't say the Savior just appeared. The Savior has been born. He was born a man. If he just appeared, he was appeared as God. He was born a man, a baby boy. And this child is going to accomplish all the purpose of of God's salvation of his elect. He'll fulfill every type, every promise, every shadow of the Messiah. He'll fulfill, fulfill all the purpose of God. He's going to bring in peace with God. Now, you can forget about lasting peace on this earth among men. It will never happen. Again, from my uh, perusal of the History Channel the other day, 
I saw on that ship at the end of when Japan surrendered, they signed the papers, and MacArthur got up, and he made a speech. And part of that speech, speech was this. The whole world lies quietly at peace. Didn't last for long, did it? MacArthur didn't last for He called over to Korea for too long. Didn't last for long. Because it's impossible for men to be at peace. Christ has come to bring him peace with God. He's going to bring in pardon for sin. He'll bring in righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. And he will save his people from their sin. You call his name Jesus, he's going to save his people from their sin. From sin, death, and hell. This baby is a son of God. And this baby, wrapped in rags, is the king of kings. Born in the city of David. And he's a sovereign king. So there's no doubt he will be successful in the work that his father sent him to accomplish. Now, brethren, that's great joy. And the reason for our great joy is in that person, the Lord Jesus Christ. But now listen to me. It's good news that Christ was born, laid in that manger in Bethlehem. Don't look to that baby. Don't do it. Our salvation is not in a cute baby. It's on a Savior on a throne. That's, that's where salvation is found. The crucified Savior who was risen and ascended back to the Father. That Don't get caught up in this cute baby business now. Our Savior is a king on the throne of glory. And this Savior is the God-man. The angel says he's Christ, the Lord. Here is a man who's the Lord. He's a human being, yet he is the Lord of glory. He's the Son of God and the Son of David. And listen to what the angel says. Unto you, unto you is born a Savior. Unto you who hear, unto you who believe, there's no restrictions. Unto you, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Unto you who believe, a Savior is born. Now that's good news from a far country. This baby was born, but boy, he came from a far country. Happy Eight says the longest journey that's ever been made. God manifest in the flesh. And look at verse 12. He goes on. He says, And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Now they, this angel told these shepherds, where to find the Lord? You notice he didn't ask, would you like to see him? He didn't ask, would you like to know where he is? Of course, you. that's just a given. You don't have to ask that question. Of course you want to see these good tidings of great joy. They wanted to see, but the angel had to tell them where to find the Savior, or they never would have found him. They'd have gone to Herod's house. They'd have gone to the king's house. They'd have gone to the Caesar's house or something looking for the king. They never would have looked in a barn, ever. They had to be told where to find God's Savior. And that's what God does with his servants today. He sends us to tell sinners where to find his son. And we have to be told because we're so lost. We'd never find him. We'd look in all the wrong places. We'd look in religion. We'd look in our good deeds. We'd look in our reformation. You know, I turned over a new leaf and started doing better. We'd never look in God's Word. 
So God sends his servants to preach the word. And this is where we find the Lord Jesus Christ, the incarnate word. You know, the Lord's never hard to find. Ever. He's never hard to find. I heard Todd Nybert say the thing about coming to Christ is as soon as you come, you're there. He's never hard to find. He's near to every one of us. He's never hard to find if you're seeking him. The shepherd found him. They had no trouble. They went right to him. The wise men went right to him. They had no trouble. Herod couldn't find him. But those who believed had no trouble finding him. If you believe God, you have no trouble finding the Lord Jesus Christ. Seek him. He's found of those that seek him. You'll find him. Call upon his name. Beg him for mercy. He'll hear you. He will make himself known unto you. And he'll do it in the word. You'll find him in God's word. If you want to know God, I wish people would do this. Read God's Word. I mean, is that too simple? Read God's Word. Jan and I have a niece who some time ago just came to her mind one day, I don't know God. And I probably ought to. I need to. You know what she did? She bought a Bible and began to read it. If you, you'll forget, and she found him. Here's where he is. Read it. Be here when it's preached. This is where you're going to find the Lord. He's not hard to find. And that's what's wrong with all these plays and these manger scenes and all those things. Christ is not in those things. He was a baby once, but he's king for eternity. And if you want to find him, don't look in a manger. That's where the shepherds found him. He's not there anymore. Now he's on a throne. Seek him at the throne of mercy. Well, verse 13, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Now this is quite a choir. John Gill says this is the militia of heaven, every angelic being. That's what he says. And what's the message? What's the message of the angels who fly around the throne of God crying, Holy, 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 who serve in his presence? What's their message? Glory to God in the highest. We just ascribe all possible glory to him at the top of our lungs. Now we praise God for the birth of his son. Now we can see God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Now I see See, we saw God's power in creation, His power in creating this world out of nothing. We saw God's judgment in flooding this earth. But we see God's greatest glory in mercy to sinners through this man, Jesus Christ. In Christ, we see truth personified. When you see Christ, you don't have any problem with finding out what's true doctrine anymore because you know Him who is truth. We see it in Him. We see wisdom personified. Here's wisdom in a body. This is God's wisdom that enables him to be just and justifier of him that what? Believeth in Jesus and this one who's born. I say with these angels, glory to God in the highest. His son was born to be my substitute. And on earth, peace. You notice it doesn't say peace on earth. You see these signs, peace on earth. That's not what the angel said. On earth, peace. On earth is peace himself. The prince of peace. 
has been born on earth. He who is our peace is now walking the face of this planet. On earth is peace. This is the one who about 33 years later is going to make peace with God through the blood of his cross. Here's peace. You see, Christ had to be born a man. So he'd have blood to offer as payment for the sins of his people. And this baby is the God-man. He's the only one fit to make peace with God. He's the only one who can touch God and satisfy God's holy demands. And at the same time, without defiling himself, touch the sinner and meet the sinner's every need by becoming that sinner's substitute and dying in that sinner's place and making reconciliation for the sins of his people. On earth peace and goodwill toward men. Now, God Almighty has goodwill toward men. Not man, not mankind, but men chosen out of Adam's fallen race. Now, Frank, how do you know that? How do you know God has goodwill toward men? Because his son was born of a woman. That's how we know. Goodwill toward men. Unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. This is God's goodwill toward men, how he's going to accomplish the salvation of his people. And nothing is better will than that, the salvation of a sinner. Well, verse 15, And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go, even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. You know, you notice there's no debate here. We think we should go to Bethlehem or not. There's no debate. But do you think this is true? Maybe it isn't true. You know, do you think we really saw that? No. Of course we're going to go see, and of course it's true. Everyone who truly hears Christ comes to him without exception. This is good reason to rejoice. This is a good reason for the weary to rejoice. We've been commanded to go to Christ. Well, now, if we've been commanded to go to Christ, the gospel is not an invitation. The gospel is a commandment. If we've been commanded to go to Christ, then we'll be accepted when we get there. He said, come. And they knew when they went, that's where they'd find him. These shepherds talk like men who've been given faith, don't they? Just like you. No one here has seen the Lord. But we know He is. We know it. Just like they knew He was in Bethlehem. They said, let's go see this miracle that God's made known unto us. A person with faith, whom having not seen, you love. You, we know He. We, we don't have to say. We know everything God says about Him is the truth. Well, verse 16 and. They made haste, or they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they'd seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. They made haste to go to Christ. And everyone who's truly seen Christ, not only do they go to him, they make haste. Just like Zacchaeus was up in that tree, and the Lord said, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house. Zacchaeus made haste and came down. We make haste to go to Christ. And when they found him, 
They didn't stumble and become offended because everything the angel told them was true. By golly, there is God's son lying in a manger wrapped in rags. <laughs> Here's the son of God born to these parents who are so poor, they're laying their child in a horse trough. They didn't stumble at that. I bet you they found comfort in it. Bet you they did. They were poor men too. They looked at that baby and they said, there's someone who can identify with me in my low estate. He can identify with me. Caesar can't identify with me. This man can. One who's wrapped in rags and lying in a manger. Here's a high priest who can be touched with the feeling of our infirmity. He became one of us. There's another line in that song, O Holy Night. The King of Kings lay thus in lowly manger in all our trials, born to be our friend. Oh, in every trial, he went first. He was afflicted with our affliction. He went first, and he is the friend of poor sinners. Whatever your circumstance, he can identify. He went there first. And the Father showed us that in the lowly circumstances of the birth of our Savior. And these men saw a baby. That's all they saw. There's no outward evidence that this is God's son. They just believed the word the angels told them. This was an ordinary baby. There was no halo around his head. There was no you know, glow behind Mary, unless there was a candle behind her. There's no glow about her. This is just an ordinary mother and her baby. But they saw that, and they saw God's son. They saw the Savior of the world, and they went everywhere telling everyone they saw the good news about Christ. Their message was a person concerning, where's my verse here, concerning this child. Their message was concerning a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Not because they saw any physical evidence, because they believed God's messenger. And that's what believing God's word is today. It's, you don't have any physical evidence. There's no miracles. There's no signs. You believe the word of God preached by one of his servants. In verse 18, all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned. They went back to work, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. All that heard it wondered. That word wondered means to marvel, to hold in admiration. And that's the way the gospel is received by believing ear, in wonder, marveling at God's grace, holding in admiration the word of God, holding in the highest esteem the grace of God and the Son of God. Things that you marvel at, things that you hold in admiration, you never degrade those things by arguing about them, ever. You never degrade those things by debating about them. You hold them in too much admiration to bring them down to a level of a fool. No, you just proclaim it. This is the word. Believing it in awe and wonder. And hold these things in your heart. Mary kept all these things and she pondered them in her heart. She kept them in her heart. Hold these things in your heart. 
We rejoice from the heart. A child of God can rejoice even in a weary world by pondering the things of Christ in our heart because we know our real joy doesn't come from these things. We can enjoy them, be thankful for them, but our real joy doesn't come from these things. It comes from the heart, from Christ in the heart. So think on these things and the weary will rejoice. So, I wish each of you a Merry Christmas. I mean, I want you to enjoy this season. Enjoy time with your family and your friends and your loved ones. Enjoy giving gifts and even enjoy going out and buying them for your loved ones. Just enjoy it. Just enjoy the thrill of giving it to them and the visits from Santa and dinners together. The whole nine yards. Enjoy it all. But you know what? That joy should continue on into January. No one has more reason to rejoice in this weary, weary world than those who believe the Lord Jesus Christ, who one day was born in a barn, laid in a manger. He grew in a life of humiliation and died on a cross because he was made to be sin for his people, who rose again the third day for the justification of his people, Send it back to the Father, seated on the right hand of the majesty on high. Now, if that doesn't let the hopeless be thrilled and the weary rejoice, I don't know what does. That's the gospel of a person in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, 